Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of wise investing for the eternal future. I suppose that you want to receive the greatest dividend returns in your investments. You want to look for the highest yield. Whenever you see the Word of God being taught, people being saved, people's lives being transformed, hey, invest your time and money there. It'll pay great dividends. But you will find in all ministries that are of the Lord and God is in them those three things, the teaching of the Word of God, the salvation of the lost, and the transforming work in people's lives. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The economic crisis nearly the entire world finds itself in has caused everyone to examine every expense and investment dollar more closely than ever. But coming up, Pastor Xavier uses the Israelites of Numbers chapter 7 to illustrate how investing in the kingdom of God through our tithes and offerings ought to be made by giving the same kind of awareness but as dictated by the scriptures. Let's listen now to the continuation of a simple truth study titled The Giving of the Leaders. This morning we want to examine the giving that took place here in the book of Numbers by the leaders of Israel and learn some important lessons regarding our giving to God. Verses 1 through 17. There are three important things that we find in their giving to God that will teach us in our giving to God. First of all, their giving was in response to the goodness of God. Verse 1 through 3. Secondly, their giving was in response to the work of God. Verse 4 through 9. And third and last, their giving was in response to their dedication to God. Verses 10 through 17. Notice first, the giving was voluntary and before the altar of God who knows the heart. In verse 10. Now the leaders offered the dedication offering for the altar when it was anointed. So that the leaders offered their offering before the altar. Voluntary. Keeps coming up. But... The emphasis here is before the altar of God. These guys came before the Lord, before the altar. The altar was the brass altar where he judged the sins. God was looking right through the heart of the individual who came. They could fool the people around them, but when that man stood before God and he offered that offering to God, God looked at the heart. His heart was being judged. He could not escape the judgment of God. It marked the right relationship with God, walking in the light. 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with God and one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. You know how often we as Christians want to make our relationship a works for trip? Well, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I do this, and I do that. Forget what doing and not doing. Do one thing, walk in the light, and then do as you please. Oh, Xavier, that's dangerous. No, it isn't. You walk in the light and do as you please. If you're walking in the light, you'll have the will of God in your heart and you'll want to please God. But if you're walking in the flesh, then you'll please yourself. It's like he says, seek the kingdom of God first and all his righteousness. Then all these things shall be added unto you. The problem is we seek the things and we never get to the kingdom. Secondly, it marked a right relationship with man walking in love. Jesus says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. 1 John is full of uh, statements about love. 1 John 4, 7, and 8. He who loves God, uh, who does not love his brother, doesn't love God. 1 John 4, 7, and 8, the song, you, you heard it. And we're to be known for our love. It was an evident mark that, hey, I'm right with man. So God, I'm right with you, and I'm right with man. 
But thirdly, it marked a right attitude and motivation in service towards God. Colossians 3.23 tells the servants, listen, when you do your service, you do it as unto the Lord, not unto man. So God will see I'm right with him, I'm right with man, and my attitude is right in my giving to him. Attitude. I couldn't escape it. I was coming before God to give it at the altar. Did not Jesus say on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, if you come to give a gift at the altar and you remember you have something wrong with your brother and something against him, then you first leave your gift there, go to him, get reconciled, then come back, then offer your gift. Because God looks at our heart. Very important. But notice, secondly, the giving was to be consistent. Look at verse 11. For the Lord said to Moses, They shall offer their offerings one liter each day for the dedication of the altar. Each day a tribe would present their gift. It was to be consistent. Each tribe gave the same amount. As you read it and you compare it, it is the same repetition. Now, let me suggest to you that God has not written this chapter for those nights that you cannot sleep. And you can read it and get bored and go to sleep. Okay? He's giving you this chapter to teach you and myself some very important principles for our life. Every man is to give once a week when he comes and the church gathers and takes up the collection as God has prospered him. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. You notice we do not take many collections. We take one. And that one should be sufficient for all that God is doing. We're to be known for our giving and for our reaching out to the lost, not for our begging. Very important. Where God guides, He provides. And sometimes He doesn't provide, and that means you can't do it. You remember first being married and you don't have a lot of money and you know it's a matter of priorities do you go out to eat at McDonald's or do you put two bucks of gas in <laughs> well the answer is very obvious you put two bucks of gas and you gotta go to work Monday and it's a matter of priorities and God has never failed us in finances I wish I could show you some of the old records pennies under pennies over God has such a good record let me tell you and my conscience bears me witness, I lie not. I have never lost sleep over finances in the ministry. You know why? Because there was, it was very evident God was in it. And if God was in it, I didn't want to mess with it. Not my problem, it's His problem. It's His church. But if I start building my own little kingdom, then I get myself in a jam. And then I may have to pressure you. <laughs> Once a week. That's your privilege. It's your opportunity. As God has prospered you. Thirdly, notice the giving was corporate. In verse 12, verse 18, verse 24, verse 30, verse 36, and you can follow the increment all the way down. It was corporate. Not only consistent. Is your giving consistent? Or is it sporadic? Do you give when you feel like it? Or do you give only when you think you have enough? Interesting. But it's corporate also. Everybody was involved. Every one of these guys is itemized. All this detail is not just to bore us like I told you. God is trying to communicate that no one was left 
out. The corporate giving will always prove to be more than enough for the work. Do you believe that? I believe when churches lack, it is the fault of the saints, the disobedient saints. That is not a pressure tactic. That is not a psychological ploy. That is the truth. I believe that if you and I as a church are obedient to give to God what belongs to God, let me tell you, we will not only have enough for all that we need and all that God wants to do, we will have more than enough that we can bless other fellowships, we can help other churches, we can do and still not run out. You don't believe that? Let me give you a scripture. Go to Exodus 36. Remember they're collecting the finances, all the materials uh, to do the tabernacle at this point, okay? The plea has gone out, a free will, a willing heart. Chapter 36 Verse 4, down to 7. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing, and they spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. And so Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing for the materials they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. Amen. Too much. This is the biblical result of corporate obedience. I'm not going to get into the specifics, but you go home and you just take 100 people in a church and you multiply an average salary, Okay? And you find out what that comes to. There will be enough money for pastors, for the outreaches, for children, for uh, missions, whatever. More than enough. No pressure, no nothing. The teaching goes on, the work goes on, people are obedient. It's over. You don't have to do nothing. God has worked it that way. But you take a church that has thousands of people and only few give. And because the increment is many, things are met, but it's not in response and in result as God would intend it to. And please understand me, this is not for the kingdom of man. This is not for him to do as he wants. This is to be done as God is directing, that it be evident that God is in the work. Very important. You will notice that there's no luxurious things around here. Everything is very plain, very simple, very clean. We do our best to get two pennies out of each penny. You got to be frugal. The giving to God extends far beyond money, abilities, energies, talents. Exodus 36 1, he speaks about a holy ab and Bezal who had talents and he gave them, anointed them with the Spirit to do the craftsman work and all that. You have gifts, you have talents, you have abilities. You are to be corporately involved. Every person is to be involved in the giving. No one is to be at ease while others are being burdened. 2 Corinthians 8, 13 and 14. Now, you and I measure the giving by the amount, but God measures the giving by the cost. David, when he confessed his sin and repented about his sin with Bathsheba, went to Ornan to he might purchase a sacrifice on the threshing floor to offer the offering. Ornan was so impressed that the 
king would come to seek him, he says, David, here's the offering. Here's the threshing floor. I don't want to charge you. He says, no, no, no. I will not offer anything to God that doesn't cost me. People, let me in, let you in on a secret. God's people want to give only when it doesn't cost them. We have to be careful. God does not look at our giving the way we do. I guarantee you. But notice also the giving was only part of that which God had given them. Let me call you back to a scripture in Exodus chapter 12, verse 35. You remember that they were about ready to leave in the Exodus, and they had been slaves all their lives. So there's a problem. Come on, Moses, we're going to go through the wilderness. We don't have no cash flow. <laughs> we don't have anything. And look what God does in Exodus chapter 12, verse 35 through 36. He says, Now when the children of Israel had done according to the words of Moses, and they had asked the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. Listen. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. God gave them, get, take it, just get out of here. Take anything. Everything they possess, God gave it to them. Oh, it is such a snare to think that I have worked for that. I've worked for this car. I've worked for this house. I've worked for this. You what? Who gave you the health? Who gave you the job? Who went before you? Oh, what a snare, is it not? God gave them favor. And so their giving was only part of all that God had given them. They had been slaves in Egypt, having nothing. They had been given everything by God. They owed everything to God. Now, notice how easily teaching can get perverted. And making an emphasis on this, the minister going, you should give everything to God. And there's preachers like that. And they'll say, sell your car, sell your house. You know, and when you hear that, leave. God nowhere requires you to give everything to Him. Nowhere. God requires that you be consistent, corporate giver from your heart as God has prospered you. That's all that God requires of you. And so when somebody starts telling you to sell your things, and you better get out of there. That's not biblical. But there's one final thing. The giving was recorded by the Lord. Verses 12 down to 88, it is recorded item by item, tribe by tribe, day by day, article after article. Moses could have said, now the rest of the 11 gave the exact same thing. End of chapter. What is the principle here? God records everything that is given unto him in the right attitude. God takes note of everything, no matter how large or how small. He records it. And then one day he says he will reward us. He's quite a guy, isn't he? <laughs> He's different from us, thank God. Remember the woman that put the two mites in the coffer there on the temple courtyard? Jesus with his disciples looked on and, and he said, let me teach you guys something. All the Pharisees are going, giving all their tithes, different coffers, you know. And he says, you see that woman? 
She has given more than all them put together. Disciples looked, what do you mean all? More. They gave of their abundance, but she gave of her livelihood. It cost her. It didn't cost them. I've already given you the illustration. So as God blesses me, I have to watch my heart lest I think that now I'm, I'm doing my duty. And when my duty really goes beyond what used to be my duty because God has been so gracious to me. I guarantee you one thing, if God blesses you or myself financially, it isn't because I'm so neat. And it isn't just for myself to be indulged in all of that. Now there's nothing wrong if God has blessed you, enjoy your life. Live in priorities, enjoy your life. Doesn't mean you can't have things. Sometimes Christians get all jealous. Oh, they call themselves a Christian. Look at that. No, don't. You're, you're more covetous than them. Some of the most covetous Christians are people who have nothing. And some of the least covetous person um, or materialistic persons are those who have a lot of things. And they just use them. They don't live, bro. So you don't have to have things to live for them. You can just be living to desire to have them and talk people down who do have them to exalt yourself. Be careful. The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. You know, it's most interesting that the two longest chapters of the Bible, you know what they are? Psalm 119. Yeah, you've guessed the second one. Number seven. <laughs> what do they speak about? Psalm 119, the Word of God. The Word of God is a priority in your life, number one. But then he says, giving has a great priority in your life. Two longest chapters. You say, well, but Xavier, chapters are put by man. Yes, but the natural divisions are not. The amount of material that is emphasized here and it occupies is the second longest in the Bible. How interesting. Coincidence, you say? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Their giving was in response to their dedication to God. Their dedication to God. Now, their giving response should cause me to reflect on my own giving to God as your pastor. It should teach me something. It should remind me. It should cause me to examine my own life, my own heart. My giving should be in response to God's goodness to me. Let me just give you some of the things that you should remember about God's goodness. He delivered me from the world and redeemed me though I did not deserve it. Any of you deserve salvation? You want to raise your hand so we can all laugh? <laughs> he forgave me for all my sins, a debt I could never repay. You remember the parable of that man who owed just millions? He couldn't pay it back. Oh, I'll pay you back. I forget it. He went out, found a servant, he owed him pennies, grabbed him by the neck, said, you into prison you go. The servant observed it, went back, told the master. He called him in, you wicked servant. I forgave you all, and should you not have forgiven your servant likewise? I have been forgiven a debt for my sins that I could never, ever pay back. And you also. Remember that. Respond to that. He has chosen to dwell with me and in me. Does that turn you on? Or did you just, oh, no big deal. <laughs> I'm persuaded that God is more excited about me than I am Him sometimes. It's a shame to my own consciousness. 
He is ever ready to receive me and to cleanse me from all sin when I fail. Oh, if you don't respond to that, the goodness of God. But secondly, my giving should be in response to the work of God. God will honor only that which is from my heart hilariously. Not begrudgingly. Not because I'm forced. But of a willing heart. That which comes out of my innermost being. God's work is evident by the teaching of the Word. The salvation of the lost and the ongoing transformation in the lives of people so they mature in Christ and they become more like Christ. That's how you know it's God's work. Number one, there's a teaching of the Word of God consistently. Number two, people are being saved. Number three, people's lives are being transformed more into the image of Jesus Christ. Now when you find a church those three things are going on, don't look at anything else. Get involved. I suppose that you want to receive the greatest dividend returns in your investments. You don't look for the lowest CD, do you? You want to look for the highest yield. Whenever you see the Word of God being taught, people being saved, and people's lives being transformed, hey, invest your time and money there. It'll pay great dividends. But if the church is not teaching the Word of God, people aren't being saved, and people aren't being transformed, get away from it. There's death in that church. Now, don't compare churches. You're not going to find the same growth in one as you are the other. You're not going to find the same emphasis of ministry. My brother Raw, he sneezes and people get saved before the study. About a thousand of them. Okay? There's a different emphasis, different gifts. But you will find in all ministries that are of the Lord and God is in on those three things. The teaching of the Word of God, the salvation of the lost, and the transforming work in people's lives. Absolutely, those are the great qualifications for you to invest your time and money in the work of God. You will never lose out. Absolutely. God's work is different in every church, as I said, as God directs. So don't compare them. So don't compare pastors with pastors. Don't compare churches with churches. If this is where God has you or He has you somewhere else, and that's where that focus is, follow the lead. And go for it. It's important. Different operations, different administrations, same spirit, the same Lord, the same God. Absolutely. But third and last, my giving should be in response to my dedication to God. First, my giving should be voluntary, not forced. Second, my giving should be consistent, not sporadic, not when I want to, not when I think and I can afford it. Many people ask me throughout the years, and they tell me of people who have very little money, they say, should they tithe or not? My heart wants to say, no, forget it. I have not that right. I have the right and the responsibility to teach you that everybody's to give. I, 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 I can't explain it to you, and I cannot do anything but that. My emotion will say, no, forget it, but God doesn't give me that privilege. He says he wants everybody to give as God has blessed them. That's heavy. So voluntary, consistent, and the giving should be corporate. Everybody involved. And fourth, my giving should be as unto the Lord, who oversees all things and oversees nothing. So the giving by the leaders of Israel teach us some very important lessons regarding our giving to God. And you thought numbers was boring. Our giving should be in response to the goodness of God. Our giving should be in response to the work of God. 
Our giving should be in response to our dedication to God. Three very simple things. Don't miss them. Pastor Xavier Reese, closing our study from our series in the book of Numbers, illustrating some important, simple truths about giving. And just before we close, let me take these last moments to mention that copies of today's study, simply titled The Giving of the Leaders, are available as always on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now once again, the title to ask for is simply The Giving of the Leaders, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com